Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, Masked Llama, Ozzy Garcia, Keith Gasper, and Mera. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 103 of Retro Hangover. Retro and classic gamers, welcome to the podcast where we are totally tubular to titular tangential tangled titties. This is episode 103 of Retro Hangover. I am your co-host Chris Copleen with, as always, your host Shane Voluptuous Dick Dragon Titty. Kasky. You know, there's a lot of Rule 34 out there specifically around dragons and titties. Also dragons and cars. I remember that being like a whole there's like a whole subreddit about that, which is like dragons fucking cars. Anyway, dragons hi everybody. Cars. Wait. Hi, I guess. I'm now I'm trying to imagine a dragon fucking a car. Yeah. Yeah. Let your let just let stew on that one for a minute. Uh, or is the car a dragon? No, no, and no. It's fucking. No, what? it's it's like a, a dragon having intercourse with, you know, like a VW bug or something. You know, we probably have listeners. In fact, I know we have listeners that are artists. I, and yes. I'm thinking to myself, Shane, I mean, your your face is on the Internet. And oh, now no. we can make sh- Shane. I mean, this is rule 34 driving a car uh scaled with voluptuous dick dragon titties like anime titties i'm not even sure how i would conceptualize that but i'm i'm sure the more creative folks in the crowd can come up with something not that i'm asking you to i feel like i need to specify i am in no way asking you to do this i won't ask you to either but i'm sure like some of our listeners that are in our discord certainly would and I think everyone who is in our Discord knows who exactly we're talking about. Damn it. <sighs> They'll probably suggest it at the very least, and we'll find out. But in any case, hi, everybody. I'm sorry to kind of derail us into talking about dragons and cars and titties and Shane and involved in all of them. And uh, I hope everyone is doing well this week because we are here to talk about a character and in a game that has, well, basically was known for the longest time of having giant titties, and that is Laura Croft in Tomb Raider. It is the 25th anniversary of that game. Hooray! It is. It is. Yes. You know, I always, I always like to think in terms of like somebody being like a first-time listener, right? 
And this is the first episode they come in on. And within the first like 30 seconds, we're just we're already in rule 34 territory. I feel like that's very divisive. Like either they're going to be like, these are my kind of people or they're going to be like, well, I'm throwing this in the trash and never coming back. What did I get myself into? Right, exactly. But yes, we are talking about the Tomb Raider, the Raider of Tombs. Laura, Laura, Laura Croft. Yes, I have to be right about that. She's British. She is. Yes, definitely. I've never seen a British woman that looks that good, except for Elizabeth Hurley. I'm totally joking. Don't kill me, Brit people. (laughs) Speaking of other divisive commentary. Oh, my God. I just. okay. there goes England. Everyone's not listening to us anymore. Bye. So uh, I suppose at any rate, trying to keep keep this train on the tracks, uh, Chris, what, uh, what what have you been playing lately? Uh, this game besides this, this doesn't count. OK, in episode 106, which is in the future, you're going to hear me talk about uh, that. I was playing Breath of Fire and I haven't touched that game since recording that episode mm. because of this fucking game. Great. Yeah. I mean, there's there's also other reasons like I'm actually busy right now and I'm still traveling. I'm in like the right on the border of Virginia, North Carolina. I don't even know what city I'm in. I don't I think it's called Chesapeake. I have no idea. But I'm in a school right now where they're throwing me around doing things called mock moves and we have to relearn them so we can teach them and that's what i'm doing here so i think one day this week i just showed up after being hurled to the ground repeatedly and having to hurl other people to the ground repeatedly and i just crashed and slept for 12 hours because my body was an absolute wreck so i haven't really been able to do anything because uh yeah class hours and being you know feeling like a human pinata nice this sounds like some real like cobra kai kind of shit I don't know. I need to see Cobra Kai, but it's not like I don't know if it's like karate. It's just like police movements and takedowns and stuff like that that we have to learn. Mm, Gotcha. Which means it applies to us and it it hurts Uh, and it sucks and it makes you sore. But it's worst parts over and there's only two more weeks left of all of this. And then I get to come home to lovely, lovely Florida. By the time you're listening to this, I'll still be here. But uh, I'll be five days away from being down in Florida, I hope. And that's that. So how about you, Shane? What are, what are you been up to? What have you been playing? Man, I ain't been playing shit. I mean, not really. I don't know. Like, I, I have had no time to really do much of any of that. I think since the last time we recorded, which was that episode that is going to be in the future, just to fuck with y'all's timeline, I have played Deadpool for the Xbox 360 And that's really about it. Just with, you know, some small smatterings of other usual suspects in there. But that's pretty much it. That's the standout. Um, I'm going to be doing a rapid fire review on it shortly. But suffice to say, uh, it was surprisingly enjoyable. I had bought it super cheap uh, quite a while ago and it just kind of sat on my shelf. I remember trying to play it once, like a few years back. And then for whatever reason, I just fell off of it real quick and then never went back to it. So when I picked it up again recently, I was under the impression that I was probably not going to enjoy myself, but I wanted to get through it because I'm trying to clear up the rest of my 360 games. Um, And I was pleasantly surprised. It's actually a lot of fun. Uh, It's rough and it's super short. 
I would have been pissed if I paid full price for it, but uh, it definitely nails the Deadpool humor. And uh, I, I actually had a good time with it. So I'll, I'll expand on that a little bit. So if you want to hear more about that, then uh, consider becoming a patron. Shameless plug there. But that's that's really it for me, man. Yeah, I need to look into Deadpool. I bought it for the 360. Is that what you played it on, too? Because yeah. it came with the PS3 as well. Yeah. yeah, I got I got it for 360 a couple years ago for like nothing and just haven't played it. The unfortunate part is I don't think it's compatible with the Series X. Mm. So I'd actually have to plug in my 360 and boot it up. But that shouldn't be that big of an issue. I mean, it. I mean, like I said, it's good. not that much of a commitment. Like I, I finished it in about six hours. Ah, but I am looking forward to my next gaming adventure, which will probably be Breath of Fire. And uh, I'm glad you enjoyed Deadpool. Now I need to play that as well. I think that could be fun. But I guess in any case, we need to move on to the game du jour. Indeed. Which is our voluptuous giant titty adventure uh, (laughs) known as Tomb Raider. I really need to think of a better descriptor of this game, but I think for a long time, that was always really known for it. But we'll talk about that. And when I say the 25th anniversary, that means that there's some history to this game. And because there is history and we because we have a brief history segment, I will turn it over to Shane to give you that information. Shane, take it away with the brief history of Tomb Raider. As we've discussed before here on the show, the early days of 3D gaming felt a bit like a collection of spaghetti ideas just thrown against a wall in the hopes that a few would stick. The technology was relatively new, and developers hadn't quite nailed down how to implement things well, whether it be your digital avatar's control scheme or how best to handle an in-game camera in a three-dimensional space. With the benefit of hindsight, we all know the milestone title to really get most of this right was Mario 64. But for those of us that didn't own a Nintendo 64 in 1996, there were certainly other games that were trying their best to figure this newfangled 3D thing out. For many, one of those standout efforts was undoubtedly Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider would begin production in 1994 by traditional microcomputer and Sega console developer Core Design. Sony's PlayStation would be launching in the near future, and they wanted to create a game for the upcoming system. The game's aim was to have a cinematic experience with a fully three-dimensional, character-driven environment. With a 440,000-pound budget, the development staff, led by Toby Gard and Paul Douglas, decided to make the game a combination of Ultima Underworld and Virtua Fighter. Initially, they wanted their main character to be Indiana Jones in all but name. This was ultimately shelved due to fears of legal action from Lucasfilms. Next, they toyed with the idea of having two player-selectable characters, but found it too costly and time-intensive to fully animate two completely different character models. Eventually, they settled on just one of these characters, who they had dubbed Laura Cruz at the time. Laura's design took inspiration from various sources, most notably Tank Girl and, of course, Indiana Jones. When Eidos bought control of Core Design in May of 1996, they lobbied to have the character changed to a male, though obviously they were unsuccessful. 
Evidently determined to have some say in the matter, Eidos of America expressed dislike for the character's name as well, forcing the team to change it to what we all now know and love, Lara Croft. With uncertainties out of the way, development progressed with the team focusing heavily on the game's core concept, exploring long-forgotten tombs and ancient pyramids. It was also during this time that they decided to shift the gameplay to center more around exploration and platforming rather than action and combat, taking heavy inspiration from Prince of Persia. The team also collectively decided that the combat encounters Lara would have during her adventure would largely be with vicious animals rather than humans. This was partly due to the team feeling uncomfortable with Lara becoming yet another homicide-happy game protagonist, and partly due to it simply being easier to rig and animate 3D animal models. Tomb Raider would first gain notoriety at E3 1996, with IDOS hiring models to portray Lara at various events. Even though Core Design did not have much input or involvement with the game's publicity, the gaming press began to take notice, and quickly. Despite Core Design creating the game with the PlayStation in mind, not to mention having a development history on the PC, due to an exclusivity deal with Sega, Tomb Raider would first see release for the Saturn on October 25th of 1996 in Europe. That deal would ultimately backfire on Sega, as a multitude of bugs were found with that version. This gave Core Design an opportunity to fix these issues before the PlayStation and MS-DOS versions were released in November of that same year, making the European Saturn version seem inferior by comparison. Critics fell in love with Lara's first outing, subsequently lighting the gaming world on fire. Some publications considered the game the best PlayStation release up until that point, while others went so far as to call it a Super Mario 64 killer. Tomb Raider would receive significant recognition by the time 1996 came to a close, being considered by many as a runner-up to the overall best game of the year. Commercially, it was singularly successful enough to turn IDOS profitable, and went on to sell over 7 million copies for the PS1 alone, making it the ninth best-selling game for the console. Notably, the game was the sixth best-selling game for the Sega Saturn in the US as well. Though Lara has seen a complete redesign and rebranding in recent years, her original incarnation was a cultural icon that received everything from sequels to major motion pictures, and continues to be instantly recognizable to this day. While times have certainly changed, and game design sensibilities have evolved right along with them, it's hard to argue against the lasting impact that Tomb Raider had on the gaming landscape. And that is your brief history of Tomb Raider. Thank you for that, Shane. One of the biggest takeaways when researching the history mm -hmm. of Tomb Raider for this episode was the whole entire Sega thing. Could you imagine being Sega <laughs> and just looking at this game and being like, 
Fuck yes, we have this timed exclusive. It's going to come out for two weeks. This this is the game that is going to push our consoles to the moon. And then everyone's like, man, this game's buggy as hell. And then they're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, let's fix it and release it on their competitor's console and just be like, eh, fuck it. Here we go. I feel like there are several points in history where you could ask the question, can you imagine being Sega at that moment? (laughs) (laughs) This is just one of them. I can't imagine what they must have been thinking, like at, at like their headquarters, just be like, fuck. And this, like, we have the worst version. Yes, but you could get it two weeks early. That's right. Oh, my God. You could experience a worse version of the game before everyone else. And no patches back then. Nope. Wow. (laughs) Also, what the fuck was going on with IDOS, man? Another thing I was looking at, too. Is Idoff was like negative, was like losing $2 million or something like that before this game came out. Mm-hmm. And like, I can kind of see why when they're going in, you have all these developers and like, hey, here's our here's our character, Laura Cruz for, for Tomb Raider. And it's like, can we give her a dick and change her name? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, well, it's funny because I feel like they kind of it was almost a back and forth on that because like initially they wanted him or well, they wanted the character to be essentially Indiana Jones and a dude. And then they decided, nah, we'll, we'll stick with, with the female. And, and a lot of that, we mentioned it, but it was a weird combination, but actually the, the virtue of fighter thing, part of that inspiration was just that, you know, um, some of the developers had seen people playing virtual fighter. And even though at the time, I think there was only two female characters that you could play as, in virtual fighter they noticed that the the regularity with which people chose those characters even though there were more male options kind of influenced them and they started to think about that and they were like oh well you know what maybe maybe we should just make our character female and so that's how we got here because sarah is best girl for virtual fighter but uh i mean i could understand that too and certainly having a female protagonist back then especially with the character model that they gave you, um, I could un- like it made the game stick out. It, it would <laughs> definitely more ways than I, one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess. Yes, <laughs> and literally and figuratively. But it, it's definitely an attention grabber, uh, especially when you have a but your primary demographics, what, like 13, 14 year old horny males. It it does help to sell a game, especially when it's that pronounced. So, yeah, I'm sure we're getting get more into that later. But before we do personal experiences, Shane, what personal experience did you have with the original Tomb Raider all the way back 25 years ago in 1996 or more recently, as we are wont to do? I think much to the surprise of some of our more regular listeners, one might assume that because this was also a a PC title and it was huge on PC as well, that I would have been like all in on this, especially given the the time frame and, and, and whatnot. I feel like I probably fit right into this game's target demographic, but I never touched this game at all. Actually, truth be told, I played 0% of the Tomb Raider franchise until the reboot that was released in 2013, I think is when it first came out, which is also insane to me because I still feel like that just happened a couple of years ago. I know. So I, I saw it a lot, though. 
not in person, but this was around the time when I was subscribed to PC Gamer Magazine, back when people still subscribed to magazines. And man, this was just fucking all over that magazine. There was obviously a cover feature for it, like when it was when it was coming out. And then they just could not shut up about Lara Croft and how sexy she is, because apparently that's the one thing they wanted to focus in on. Fun fact about that, by the way, like if you ever go back and look at like some of those like mid to late 90s issues of PC Gamer, and I'm not like, you know, here to be an armchair activist or whatever, because I am 100% not that at all. But it is hard to go back and read some of those because it is just the most like eek neckbeard blatantly neckbeard chauvinistic like look at dem titties commentary and i can't believe that they were allowed to print that shit but anyway i guess it was a different time that was legitimate journalism yeah legitimate journalism back then journalism yes but anyway yeah so i i saw a lot about it and i saw the hype uh but i just i never played it i think the closest i may i may have like played a little bit from a demo disc from PC Gamer at one point, but that would have been the extent of it. Um, I actually didn't know anybody who did play it or if they did, we never talked about it. We talked about a lot of other games, but we never talked about this one. So I don't know, man, this one kind of missed me back back in the day. I don't know. What about you? This one's a weird one for me because I have very vivid memories of playing like the first two levels of this game. And mm. I, extraordinarily vivid ones. And I know I've played them because even when I started playing it again for the sake of this episode, I played that first level and it's like, yeah, I know what to do. I know where to go. I know I'm supposed to what I'm supposed to be doing here, but I never owned this game. Hmm. I, I didn't have it for anything. I didn't have it. I certainly didn't have it for PC. I always consider this game to be a PlayStation game, as I think many do. And I don't remember if I played this game up at my uh, friend's house that we went to every uh, January in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. And if we if I played it there and they played it there or I just like a friend had it or something like that. But I, I have no idea. And and much like you, this was I was definitely in the key demo for who they are trying to attract into the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, 13 years old, a, a little hornball, of course, you know, like, oh, here's this super sexy model, at least for 3D models back then, which you look back at now and it's just fucking hilarious. But um, you didn't really have that sexualization in video games for mass consumption back then. So it makes a lot of sense why people would be drawn to a character model like this. I think something else that that kind of gets missed out on, even you look back at it now, is how many like females were playing this game, too, just because it did have a female protagonist and there weren't a lot of you know, games with female protagonists, at least mainstream games. Right. Right. Yeah. Even when you talk to today, like if you play games back in the past with some female retro gamers, some of them will say Tomb Raider, even though, you know, definitely designed to have more of a sexual angle to it. It does. But, you know, I, I having having played through it, I, I just don't they, they actually don't really play that up a ton in the game itself, which I, I kind of actually right. appreciate. Um, I think the vast majority of that like hypersexualization of of Laura Croft I'm sorry Lara Croft I'm still going to say that wrong forever Lara Croft was really just in the marketing materials I think yeah and it doesn't help when you get Angelina Jolie to do you know the the movie when she was like a sex symbol back then I wouldn't say she <laughs> isn't now right but- and the egregious <laughs> like bathtub scene that's in that movie. yeah mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. And like they the marketing to a T was all about the sexualization. Uh, did, did she end up in Playboy like Lara Croft, the character model? Did that happen? Yes. I th- Yeah, I think so, because there's a semi famous shot from that of like her laying down with like a blanket just covering her butt or something. Oh, yeah, they they leaned into that one hard, but the, the game itself doesn't really do that, which, like I said, I actually no. kind of appreciate. Yeah, it's it actually never really talk about it at all outside like the intro movie. Yeah, which was kind of leads us into our next section, which is the plot, because that's mostly what I think people are going to get for the plot. There is more to it, but that's essentially the majority of what I think most people got in terms of plot and story and writing. But what's your opinions on this, man? Yeah. So, again, you know, we've said this a number of times and I'm sure we'll say it forever because we're a retro game show after all. But this was still at a time where a lot of your expository content, such as it is, was going to be found in the accompanying instruction manual with the game. If you just fire up Tomb Raider and you just play it without any context, um, you you generally get a sense of what's going on. You're not super lost like with some older titles, but there is some background that kind of helps flesh it out a little bit. Uh, and you get that in like the first couple pages of the of the manual. But essentially, Lara is like the daughter of a dude called Lord Henchingly Croft, which is like the most ridiculous pseudo British name I think they could think of. And, you know, she was raised, you know, in high society. She went to finishing school. She was planned to be married off to some other rich dude or something. And then she was on a plane. She crashes in the Himalayas. And somehow this 21 year old posh Brit girl manages to learn to survive completely alone for two weeks in the freezing Himalayas. And then she finds her way to like some nearby village. And through this whole experience, she like has this epiphany that this is what my life should be. I only feel alive when I'm adventuring. And then she basically reinvents herself as this like adventurer. And the funny thing, by the way, you want to know how this was like 1996. The way that they explained how she funds her, you know, crazy globe trotting exploits, because apparently she's not getting money from daddy anymore is from writing she's she's like she's like the first travel blogger and somehow she makes enough money to just like gallivant around the world searching for mysterious artifacts just by like doing some writing occasionally i'm seeing my blog yeah i mean this was she could have had a geocity site with uh, (laughs) that's true she could have yeah no i feel like angel fire yeah i was gonna say no laura is more of an angel fire kind of person i think I mean, that that would be like a total way. Good PR move, too. I'm your I'm Lara Croft, your angel of fire on Angel Fire. Check out the website. <laughs> uh, it's a missed cross marketing opportunity. Oh, it's so, so, so missed. So missed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the plot itself, because as you play through the game, there is somewhat of a plot line, but you only get any real details about what you're trying to do in segments that only happen about once every three or four levels. And there's 15 levels in this game, I do believe. Mm-hmm. So it starts out, you get this intro movie where something explodes and something comes out and then some dudes hitting on Lara and, you know, he gets doesn't get really doesn't get shut down, interestingly enough. And then she's offered to go fly to Peru to get some item from this woman who's offering her a ton of money. And that's all you really get at the beginning of it. 
and she goes, finds the tomb and her travel guide gets mauled by wolves. Like and immediately, she just <laughs> immediately. And then she just kills all the wolves. And then it's like, okay, let's go. Let's go get this thing. Also, and, by the way, yeah. sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but can we just talk no, for fine. a second about two things that I immediately mm-hmm. noticed right from the intro of this game? One, this was supposed to be like present day. So 1996. Uh, and this dude just shows up with like a laptop with a perfect like satellite video connection to talk to to talk to Lara. First of all, that's completely unrealistic. And second, I love how Lara's idea of like dressing appropriately for going to find this tomb is just wearing the same shit like her blue, like crop toppy thingy or whatever. And like her booty shorts and then oh, yeah. just like a, a like a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not a coat, man. I can't think of it now. But anyway, That's all she had on the way there and takes it off once she gets into the tomb. Well, the sh- like she's not wearing that jacket at all in the tomb. Right. Well, no, because it flies off in her grandiose leap from the, the top of the doors to fire at the wolves. You remember? Yes. It's very yeah. it's very epic. As the as the kids say, and you can't you can't get that jacket anymore. It fell in the snow. Yeah, it's gone forever. It's gone forever. But I just I, you can't. I like, was actually laughing. The body of the dead guy. Yeah, I was actually just laughing watching that because I was just like, oh right, yeah, no, this makes sense. Like she's probably super warm with just that like throw rug over her right now. There's some serious issues too that it doesn't get into at least narratively, and there's some ridiculousness that does happen that's a little bit separate from what I'm about to say now. But it kind of ties in. So here you are. You're hired by the super rich woman to go and raid tombs for an item that apparently she wants. And who, you know, Laura, Laura doesn't care. She's just she's an adventurer and just does things for fun. This is what she does. This is how she gets her rocks off. Yeah. And then you find out later there's some nefarious means, of course, by the person who hired you in order to get this stuff. But every single time you get further in order to help the person who hired you to get stuff, you find people that are her goons that are further into the tombs or areas that you're exploring than you are who tried to kill you in yes. order to get these items. Why are you using Lara? Like you have the goons you need in order to accomplish these things. Yeah. Who they apparently are more than made capable. it there faster than she did. <laughs> yes. I don't, this is like piss poor management. This is like <laughs> no idea of efficiency. Well, you know, they just they had a a budget excess and they just needed to burn that cash before the fiscal year was over. You know how it is. They wanted to get some hot model shots to put into Sports Illustrated or apparently PC Gamer. Yeah. To, you know, drive sales for exploration of Peru or something. I don't know. Maybe there maybe there's a tourist industry that they were invested in and they just wanted. Hey, Lara Croft's hot. We can have her with dual pistols running around half naked in a snowy cavern. I don't know. They have efficient people, but you go with the the posh British chick who just wants. I don't it doesn't make any sense. Well, speaking of not making sense, we need to talk about something. And that is that. Listen, like right from the get, right, you're kind of already sort of prepping for, Okay, this is not just going in spelunking in some some caves or some tombs like there's going to be some perhaps otherworldly supernaturally type stuff like like what you get with indiana jones of course 
Because this this woman that contacts Lara, she's already asking for some mythically powerful artifact. That's what she wants her to find. Okay, great. Fine. I can believe that for for whatever it's worth. And then this game just takes a hard right turn so quickly without any warning where you're you're going through this tomb and you kind of jump up over a ledge and you walk through a small narrow space and then when you drop down you are immediately accosted by a motherfucking velociraptor yes out of nowhere yeah and and not only that like uh, there's a giant ass t-rex which for the record like was actually really it was a cool encounter i was i was like oh shit um it was cool but it makes no goddamn sense and then is never talked about again you know, dinosaurs are just normal when you're exploring caves in Peru. Yeah, it just it happens. You didn't know that? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. just happens. Lara says nothing about it. She's just like, I'm going to take these things down with my pistols. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. It the, the dinosaurs never get addressed again in, in this entire game. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's only in that one level. That's it. That's the only time you see Velociraptors and T-Rexes. I really want somebody to explain that. And maybe for all I know, maybe in some of the future games, they retcon some shit to explain why that happened. I, I doubt it, but it's so off the wall. I Also, fun fact, uh, in case people didn't know, you can actually kill the T-Rex. It takes a shitload of bullets, but you, you can do it. No, I did kill the T-Rex. Okay. In fact, you, you kind of have to kill the T-Rex in order to get around that place. No, you don't have to. There, there's yeah, I guess you don't have. to. Yeah, I mean, there's there's passageways and stuff off to the sides where you if you wanted to be stealthy, Lara, you could totally navigate around there and avoid him. But I didn't do that. <laughs> so, I mean, that's actually a good segue into the gameplay itself. You know, as we're talking about how to avoid things and levels such as it were. <sighs> but just to summarize before that uh, plot plot. Yeah, it's it's there. It's listen, man, it just feels like they went by the rule of cool for this. Right. And that's pretty much it. Like they're like, we have an yeah. idea. We think Indiana Jones is badass. Um, let's just make her a rich person so that we can just explain away how she does all this shit and where she gets things from because whatever. And OK, we're going to go explore some tombs because that's neat. And that's really, I think, the deciding factor for a lot of things and not so much like a sensical plot. I mean, it does become sensical near the end. I know I'm just ruining the the awesome segue I did by sticking on plot here. <laughs> like, yeah, at the end, you get a ton of exposition, like in the last two levels, you get a ton of exposition about what's really going on. Yeah. The thing is, is that if you don't like there's nothing to drive you plot wise to get there. And if right. you're disinterested in this game, you're going to have no fucking care about what's going on in the overall world of this, because, I mean, it's just it's not existent until it wants to become existent. And that's that it, it sucks in terms of a narrative standpoint. But I, I really don't think that was the aspect of what the developers were trying to do. They were more trying to get you to focus on their innovative gameplay. Mm, there you go. You brought it back around. Saved it. There Saved it, is. it. We're professionals, everyone. Well, technically, <laughs> man. OK, um, where do where do we even start with this? Uh, so just I hate myself. Yeah, like. Uh, th this is another difficult one because, you know, we have to think of it in context of 1996 video games, but it just feels bad. It just feels bad to play. Like, And I know there's probably some Tomb Raider fans out there that are going to hate this. But listen, man, you can defend this all you want. For the record, 
I, I like Resident Evil, but you know what? I still fucking hate the controls. And that's what this is. It's tank controls. But not only is it tank controls, it's tank controls while trying to platform in a three-dimensional space. It fucking sucks. It's so finicky. Like, for a game that relies so heavily on forcing you to jump from one ledge to another and carefully traverse, you know, cliff faces and shit like that, it's just so frequently frustrating to, like, line your character up in the exact way that the game needs you to in order to successfully make a jump that it's just it's not even fun to play so like if you don't have a whole lot of plot to drive you as chris just said then the only other thing you've got left is engaging gameplay and like i'm sorry but this just doesn't have it in my opinion i mean for what it's worth i will say that i got accustomed to the control scheme eventually. And there were some things that once you kind of get the hang of it, you can sort of do a little bit more fluidly, like, you know, holding the the correct button to sort of just automatically mantle up on things and to jump and grab ledges. Like that's a lot more fluid than what I was doing at first, which was I didn't realize that you could do that immediately. And I would just run face first into a cliff and then jump up. And like the fact that they make it have an animation of her like bonking into a surface just makes things like that much more clunky to try to do anything with um like i get they were trying for realism there but it it in practice it just makes things feel sort of like i don't know stunted or i don't know but it just it never gets to a point where it feels good like one of the things that I thought of while playing this game, because of course it came after, and I'm sure it took a lot of inspiration from this, whether they're going to say it or not, but something like Assassin's Creed. Part of the reason that that game or those games are fun to play is because the controls are intuitive and they're smooth. Like traversal in those games is enjoyable because you almost, I won't say always, but you almost never feel like you're fighting against the controls to do what you want your character to do and that's like super not the case here i would agree with almost everything you're saying and and looking at it from a modern perspective right i'm going to try and, and save it a little bit by trying to approach it you know putting myself in 1996 mm-hmm. so first of all one of the great things about the game and i played on the pc version is that you can save at any time you want to yes because if i could not do that which i believe you cannot do in the playstation and and Saturn versions. Nah, man, you got to pick up save crystals. Oh, I would have. I (laughs) this I could not have played any of this game, let alone beat it. So this game was not, not, not designed for an analog controller. They just because there were no analog controllers, at least console wise in 1996. And this game was designed for the PlayStation, which at the time did not have an analog stick. Right. It had its little D-pad. And same with the Saturn. Uh, Saturn would almost around this time start to push out their analog controller, but definitely was not made with this with that in mind. When you don't have an analog stick, this game requires precision. And that's one of the reasons it uses tank controls is because, you know, that tank controls work a lot better with a D-pad. Playing this with an analog stick, you you never when you're trying to go up, sometimes your character doesn't want to go up. So you can't run straight. Uh, as as long as you want to without your character wanting to veer off or just turn around whenever they want to, which is a problem I ran into consistently. Mm-hmm. 
which meant, meant jumps were were off and caused me to fall to my death almost over and over and over and over again. The other thing is with this precision that this game expects you to have, you need to navigate through traps like swinging sides or move away from rocks and have a good concept of the controls. If you have precision with these controls, these aren't that bad. But when you have an analog stick where you don't really know if you're exactly pushing up when you want to press up, sometimes this can cause you to get stuck in a wall or turn when you don't want to or do something you don't want to do, making this game far more difficult than it really has any rights to be. The other thing is, is that because no real standards of these kind of games had been established in terms of 3D platformers, because I think you said it best, a Resident Evil, yes, it's tank controls that suck, but at the same time, you're not having to jump. You're not having to do platforming. Right. So a lot of the things you have here is when you're doing a running jump, it's not just when you press jump, Lara doesn't jump. You have to press jump and hold it down during a running jump and hope Lara jumps at the correct moment. Or you can press jump and then you have to press the direction you want to jump. And even that can be a little wonky because you have to press the jump button first and then press the direction right afterwards in order to get the desired effect. This, these are concepts that we just don't have anymore. But back then they were more appropriate because nothing had really been established in how to do these games. So I could see like in a 1996 perspective, this game controlled really well. It was doing things that it was supposed to do. But today, going back to it, trying to put yourself in that mindset of how to control Laura and what she's supposed to do and how she's supposed to act, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work in the slightest. And you have to completely re-engineer your mind in order to play a game like this, which is probably the most difficult part of this game before you even get started. Yeah, no, I, I 100 percent agree. And, and you know what? You're, you're right. Like credit where it's due that I think they with what they were working with and with really no blueprint to go off of. I, I wouldn't say that this is like terrible. It, it is a lot. Of, it's just a consequence of us being so used to better control schemes. You're, you're absolutely right. And that, that's part of the trying to yeah, you, you must unlearn what you have learned. Yeah. Well, there was one specific thing that I wanted to mention. Oh, so it's kind of awkward initially, but once you get the hang of it, it actually kind of makes sense in that I grew to almost kind of appreciate some of the way that they implemented the control in that you had to be very deliberate with what you were doing in order to succeed. And by that, I mean, taking as an example, taking a running leap, you know, the, the crazy dino area we were just talking about. Yeah. There's that broken bridge, right. That you need to jump across to get a quest item. And it's a pretty big gap. So you do need to take like a running start and you just barely make it. And so she'll grab the edge of the other side of the bridge and pull herself up. And that's intentional, but the, that's a, that piece right there is a great example because in order to do that successfully, you have to a start with a little bit of a, of a lead so that you get time to get that running start, hit and hold the jump button to get her to do it. And then mid air swap and press and hold a different button to get her to grab on the ledge and then press that again to get her to like pull up. And so you're really interacting with like every step of what she's doing and in that way that's actually kind of cool it just takes a lot of getting used to because honestly i think we're spoiled we're, we're used to just being able to 
run up to a ledge and in some cases the game will just jump for you (laughs) or you know you just have to press a button and then you succeed and you move on but this is like very deliberate and it's a different mindset but i actually kind of appreciate it a little bit in in that way yeah it's like like for example mario 64 even at this like released right around the same time Hmm. you're talking about all these button interactions but if you go back and you play mario 64 you hold down the jump button you get to an edge and I, if I'm misremembering it, you know, correct me, but you don't need to press another button in order for Mario to hang on that ledge. You just need to continue to hold down the jump button. Yeah, he, I, he just does it automatically. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the other thing when you say deliberate and this becomes more evident in levels where you have to do a lot of uh, move vertically throughout mm-hmm. a level is that you're spending a lot of time walking. And they explain this to you when you go to Laura's house or the gym, I think in the Saturn version, the tutorial level. Mm-hmm. And it says when you walk up to a ledge, you hold down in this in my version, it was the L1 button on my controller, whatever button might be in your corresponding console. If you hold it down, Lara won't run off a, a ledge and she'll stop herself before she jumps. If you're not holding down the walk button, then Lara will just run off and just do whatever she wants to do. Right. So in order to successfully do it like a running jump, you walk up to a ledge, you press back, she jumps back and then you can pr- press forward and do the jump. The thing is, is when you do a lot of vertical movement, you have these drop downs, safety drops, where essentially you fall off the ledge, you hold down the action button, and then you you fall down to take less damage because you get damage from falls. But sometimes you're just jumping from ledge to ledge. If the walk button doesn't register fast enough, you'll just go careening off a ledge to your death or to a platform you didn't want to. Or you just spend a lot of time just slowly walking around ledges until you can fully get you know, into the controls, which you never fully really do until you put a lot of time into this game. But that's what I found myself doing even up to the final level is anytime I needed to do a jump, I would have to walk up to a ledge in order to gauge whether or not I could successfully do it, because there are a lot of times when you try to jump and you miscalculate and you fall to your death. And that's why when I say you can save anywhere, it's a boon on the PC version. And that's why I couldn't play it, because there are just so many times I miscalculated what I was supposed to do, not intentionally, but just because the the way the game is designed, especially with the horrific camera, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that next. But the way that everything was organized and how you had to take angles and sometimes it wasn't very natural. There's a lot of trial and error into exactly what you could and could not execute in terms of jumping. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I don't I don't know if it was just me. It sounds like it's not. But playing this on the PC as well, I just got into the habit of saving after every successful jump because I did not want to <laughs> have to redo everything. It gets bad. It really does. Let's talk about that camera, too, because there will be times when you're trying to line up a jump. Mm-hmm. And in order to line up a jump, you have to see in front of Lara. You have to have the camera from behind the back because this is a third person explorer game. You know, it's not first person, it's third person. But sometimes when you jump back in order to do the running jump, the camera will either pan in front of Lara or pan like right behind her in a way that you cannot see the next platform. Yep. Because it's just going by what it thinks it wants you to do instead of doing what you should be doing. You're doing a leap of faith. Uh, you yeah that's it you said exactly what i was just going to say like it's you do no 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 that's fine you you do so many leaps of faith in this game and not because that was like part of the design at all like it has almost entirely to do with the the camera and the fact that you can't really control it it's just going to go where it wants to go and the only like concession that was made for that as far as i can tell is 
you know, you can hold down a button that gives you like exclusive camera control. So then you're not controlling Lara's movements anymore. You are now just able to kind of pan the camera around. And that helps, especially in those scenarios, but it's more of like a pan the camera so I can actually see where I'm going and then hope that I remember how much ledge I have to work with here because now I can't see it anymore when I'm actually trying to do the jump. And yeah, it's it's rough. Like that's why I got into the habit, like I said, of saving after every single jump I made because I did not want to have to redo it. Actually, going back to that friggin' dinosaur level again, I know I go back to that a lot, but you know when you have to collect the three gears for that mechanism to like open the gate, right? Yeah. I got only two of them because I wasn't aware I needed three because I didn't go and find that first. I wandered off into Dino Land beforehand. And so I made my way all the way over there with two of the three gears. And it was fucking treacherous just to get there because of how many jumps you had to make. And if you miss one, you fall in the raging water that washes you all the way back to the beginning of the level. And so I get there. And I put in two gears and I'm like, huh, this isn't working. Oh, I needed a third one. I saved my game right there and I stopped playing for like several days because I was so not looking forward to backtracking through all of that bullshit to find that one thing and then go through all of it all over again to get back to where I was because that's how tedious the platforming ends up being in this game. Well, today, again, with today's yes, considerations, again, with, today, with everything, all, of the, course. all the improvements today. And I 100% absolutely agree with you on that as well. One of the other things that bothered me was the combat. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially later in the game. It's not that I didn't see what they were trying to do, but I understand why they moved away from the combat and focused on platforming during development, because it's just it, it sucks. Yep. And that is you just take out your your pistols and you just hold down the button until the bad guy's dead because trying to avoid bad guys with that control system just does not work. They're faster than you. They're more um, agile than you. They can, they can do moves and stuff like that. Your only hope is to really, while you're shooting, jumping in, in various directions and hope you make the right move while you're doing that and hoping you have the headspace and there's no cliffs near you in order to do these things. Uh, The other option, of course, is just to get to a safe distance and snipe the enemies before you get down there. And that's usually the recommended way of doing things. But there's just really no thought to it other than just spray and pray and hope you don't lose a lot of health. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it came down to I mean, once I kind of got the hang of being able to do some of the more acrobatic jumps because at first I totally did not. But once I figured that out, uh, really combat kind of just devolves into exactly that. You're just kind of bunny hopping around like an idiot, hoping that they just can't hit you because regardless of what the enemy is, other than the few human enemies you do come across, because they basically just kind of walk up to you and shoot you in the face. But like the the animal enemies, all of them are far more agile and quick than than you. And there is an auto targeting mechanism that I think was the developer's way of trying to make this a little bit easier, because if you had to manually aim, this would have been impossible. But even with that, it's you might lock on for like a split second. But when, you know, that animal just kind of like 
leaps by you and takes a swipe at you, you lose the lock and then you have to turn your tank ass around to try to like shoot at them. And it's just, yeah, again, it's, it's real rough. And I'm glad that they didn't focus on it because even though we're kind of being pretty harsh on the platforming and stuff. And again, that's from our modern sensibility as perspective. Like the combat is definitely worse. <laughs> Most of the time I did try to just find like a ledge to sort of cheese the AI so that I could just shoot them from afar. But I actually think if they had just focused on the platforming and not included like any weapons or anything like that and just had no combat period, I think it would have been a better game for it. I think if they had just stuck to the more Prince of Persia idea, which if you see bad guys, you run away from. And yeah. I haven't played Prince of Persia in a long time, but that's almost exclusively platforming and avoiding traps. The last level of the game where you're in the Great Pyramid, it's almost exclusively just that. And I actually had a lot of fun in that level, you know, not, you know, controls withstanding and having issues and uh, some of the difficult stuff like that. But figuring out those puzzles, figuring out how to avoid those traps, figuring the best way to navigate around things. I actually had a lot more fun in that, knowing I didn't have to worry about some bad guy coming out and having to fumble around my controller in order to do the, the combat correctly. So I think if they when they make it more straightforward and it's designed with the controls in mind of the time, which you could argue, yeah, sure, the entire game was. But even for a modern perspective, the last level is a lot of fun. Same with the first level, because you don't do a lot of combat in the first level either. And the enemies you run into are weak sauce. Yeah. But there's this period in the middle a long stretch of the middle where you have enemies that are just bullet sponges. And yes, you do get weapons that can take them out quicker and that's fine and good, but your pistols have unlimited ammo and you never know how much ammo you're really going to get. Now later in the game, yeah, you have plenty of ammo. It doesn't really matter, but they're just, you have to snipe and it just makes me wonder how much better this game would have been at least modernly. They probably didn't give a shit back then. And who knows what the opinion of my, what I'd be saying in 96 but at least modernly, I think I would have loved this game a lot more or just liked it. I can't say love more because you know, we'll get to that. But at least I would like it more if they had just done platforming. And I, I think that's really the issue for me. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. Like, I know what they were trying to go for because right from the get, you know, they wanted it to be like an action adventure movie and I, so okay fine but i just in practice I, I really think they should have just doubled down on the exploration aspect of it and i think it would have been better for it so yeah no i'm I'm there with you swimming's great though i didn't have any issues controlling swimming yeah actually oddly enough that that was fine yeah and you'd think that a game that we're complaining so much about how the controls work that swimming like you know historically is usually pretty terrible but somehow they they did all right with it here compare it to a lot of modern games i think they get it better than a lot of modern games do yeah uh, the only issue i have there is just and with items in general you have to be right on top of items or right next to switches in order to activate them and that doesn't change underwater either <laughs> yeah the number <laughs> of times i had to like hop back and forth to find just the right spot to like pick up something on the ground was just infuriating yeah. But they give you a generous amount of air. They give you uh, enough time to get to another air pocket that you can survive. It's very manageable in, in the swimming sections. And, you know, if, if I'm going to heap some praise on, on the game, that's what it's going to be. Swimming sections are are fantastic and there's not a ton of them. They don't really overstay their welcome either. So, hey, good on good on that, because that's held up really well. 
Yeah. And actually speaking of like swimming and like the underwater areas and stuff, I I will also note that that is something that kind of stood out to me from a graphical perspective too, because the, the way that they kind of implemented the sort of shimmery like shadows that you get underwater, especially for the time when, you know, water tech such as it is was still not great. It actually ends up looking really nice and it even even today if you're not playing with you know a a graphics patch or whatever like it actually still looks pretty decent yeah and again reminder to everybody we're playing this on the pc so i we don't have a playstation or saturn version to really compare it to and the last time i played on the saturn wasn't that bad but yeah i I would completely agree with you i don't have a graphics patch on here either it's just up-res models and and great segue by the way to graphics oh thank you (laughs) The water sections do look really good, uh, especially for the time. Uh, You could argue I think they look better than Mario 64's underwater areas. Uh, There's not as much going on, obviously, but I think the the water physics or just the way water looks in general in this game is is more than I would generally expect from a game of that era. Mm -hmm. Graphics themselves, though, they're of the period, I would have to say, and I, I know there's reasons for it. Uh, character models and everything like that, character models, animal models. I understand that they were made to be very cartoonish. And I think that was uh, because they were just easier to model. So Lara doesn't I mean Lara has big tits because they probably just wanted to give her big tits. But like Lara's character model is the way it is because, you know, they wanted a more simple character model to animate. Like, why wouldn't you if you were a designer and this was your first major 3d foray into a new system yeah but uh in terms of the environments and and so on and so forth again it's for 96 this is this is really good there's a reason why people really gravitated towards this game and if it graphically it was not impressive in 1996 people would have put this down there's no doubt in my mind that would have happened um are they by today's standards rather barren not a lot really going on you know really pixelated smudged walls and textures and stuff like that oh absolutely but i really don't want to shit on it too much because this was top of the line in 96 and with you know just running it on a pc with comp- you know, normal resolution not making any adjustments as you said with the patch it really doesn't it's not that offensive it really isn't is more than functional. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of games from this, you know, the, the, the early days of 3d that, uh, look like just complete hot ass when you play them, you know, stock standard today. Um, and we've talked about that before, but Mm -hmm. this one, I mean, as, as far as these games from that time period are concerned, I honestly think it actually holds up really well, like surprisingly well, actually. The environments themselves are they have enough personality that they are pretty easily differentiated from one another, which, you know, sounds like a a half ass compliment, I guess. But when you think about what this game is focusing on, where it's like these are more like real world areas, so you're probably going to have a lot of that great gray brown and, you know, black or whatever that you ended up with. Yeah, not a lot of colors. Yeah, I think they did really well with what they had. And while I will say that I think the environmental textures have a lot of detail, which I appreciated, um, you are right that the environments themselves, as far as actual three-dimensional spaces, tended to feel kind of hollow in a lot of places just because there's not a lot of set dressing going on. 
And I get that. And there's obviously the technical reasons for that. You know, the hardware had its limitations. And so they were working with what they had. So this isn't necessarily a knock against them, but looking at it now, like the few, you know, additional little accoutrement that they had in certain levels, like actually weirdly stood out just because there was so few of them. Like some of the random, you know, like clay pots or whatever, or that same 2D pixelized, like pseudo mummy thing. I don't, I don't even know what it was. Like it was a skull and it was like wrapped in cloth. Like I'm not sure exactly what they were going for there, but yeah, it looks awful. Yeah. Well, it looks awful because it's a pixelated 2D fucking sprite, but like, yeah, also it just like sticks out like a sore thumb because everything else is three dimensional because they wanted this to be one of the first games that was fully 3D, unlike something like Doom, for example, which sort of like faked 3D with scaling 2D textures. And so when everything in the world is fully realized 3D and then you have like just these handful of these like little random 2D sprites, they really, really stick out. And I know I've, I feel like I've talked a lot about that one point, but it was just oddly like pertinent to me. Like I kept noticing as I was playing through that these things just really stood out against everything else and not necessarily in a great way, especially in the later levels, you got away from those sprites. And that's something I noticed, too, is that in the beginning stages, you had a lot of those more 2D sprites that just they did not fit in the environment at all. They looked like they had no fucking business being there. But you get into the later levels and almost all those sprites are gone. I don't know if that's just because like you see with most development that like a lot of the first early levels are probably very, very heavily focused on to to grab the game and then just run out of time and like, hey, we got to get this out. So let's put this out. So maybe they maybe they wanted to have more stuff going on in the later in the game. I have no idea. I just think that the later levels, like the last three levels are much better designed than maybe like the, the middle seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you lose that in the later environments because you like go into this, like it's like you're walking through a body, a giant fleshy body. And it really is kind of gross and creepy. And they, those environments are very well designed, I think, especially for a 96 game. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they don't look good now, but you got to go into if you're going to play a game like this, you can't expect. And if you're listening to this, you already know this, of course, appreciating the choir on this. But if you're going to a game made in 1996 and it's a 3D game, you can't expect these games to hold up to the standards that you put them into today. It's just been too long. We've come too far. Uh, you, so you have to come in with an appreciation for what it was 25 years ago compared to its peers. And yeah, Tomb Raider is far above what you were getting in 96 for most games, especially in this kind of design. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and even though, you know, the cutscenes I think, actually suffer the worst because they're at a set resolution. So they look like pixel soup at this point. But mm-hmm. at the time, again, in 96, like these were incredible. Um, so you have to keep that in mind. And, and the fact that I think all told, you end up with roughly 15 minutes worth of cutscene in this game, which is a for for that era. That's a that's a pretty decent amount of of cutscene that you get in a game. That's almost taking up half that fucking disc, too. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's where the, all those sprites went. They just needed more space for those. <laughs> That's why there were sprites. <laughs> oh, do you want to talk about the music and sound? Because there's like none in this game. <laughs> I mean, you know, I suppose we should follow our format, but we can we can cover it real quick. Yeah, I mean, so there's not really a lot to say, honestly. It's I, I went back and forth on this one, actually, because 
I have gone on record and I know that there's at least some people, uh, Lama, I'm, I'm talking about you specifically, that are going to keep me honest about these things. But I have said before that I, I generally appreciate when a game makes decent use of, of silence or, or a lack of music um, for effect. And I stand by that. I will say that this game, I feel like, is actually like weirdly devoid of music. Way too empty. Like, I know what they were going for, right? Like, if you're if you're exploring some ancient tomb, then you probably expect to hear really not much other than maybe some air currents and some echoes and the, the, the drip of water or something. So I get that they were trying to go for that atmospheric thing. And insofar as that is concerned. I think they were successful because that's really almost all you get. But if we're talking about a video game where, again, at least on some level, they wanted this to be some sort of like bombastic, you know, pseudo archaeological action adventure. There's just not like enough going on. Like there's one really great example towards the beginning of the game that really stood out to me as being awkward as fuck which was when you kind of enter this burial tomb uh, where you've got like the skeleton of this ruler sitting on a throne and two mummies standing on either side of him. And the, the artifact you're looking for is there on this pedestal in the center of the room. I would have expected there to be some sort of like incidental music or something to be like, oh, snap, this is the important area. And there really wasn't. And then when you grab the artifact, Suddenly the ceiling starts to cave in and you get debris falling down around you. And then I especially expected there to be some like, oh, fuck, you should probably get out of here music. And there it was just dead silent. And it makes that moment so anticlimactic when you have nothing going on, like orally, that it was just so like jarring to me. <laughs> Maybe they need to get Laura going orally in order to support this game. Ah, um, by well, that, of course, I mean sound. Wow, sound. Yes, of course. Sound. Right. Definitely. Uh, that. Mm -hmm. But I, I, yeah, she should talk more or hum or sing or something. But the, no, I agree with you completely, especially when you get to the end of the level and you complete a level and it's just like, hey, you, you beat it. Yeah. It's what? just an end screen. It's like, okay, you're it's done. End screen. Mm -hmm. Hey, here's all the stuff you did. Okay, great. Like, I get no jingle. So, like, I was watching a, like some walkthroughs on YouTube for some of these portions where I just couldn't figure out what the hell I was supposed to do, which was a lot of the game. But I didn't really watch a lot of YouTube videos, so I can't speak for a lot of it. Sometimes there's there's music. So apparently in the PlayStation and Saturn version, there's like danger music when you run into the T-Rex or if you're like going towards certain corridors towards ends of levels, there's like music that's supposed to play while you're heading towards the end. I didn't get any of that in the, the PC release, at least the one on Steam. So I don't know if that's just an exclusive PC issue or what the case might be. But it's just like, yeah, the, the complete lack of any single score of any score in the game, for the most part, is noticeable, especially when you come into this game with somewhat of a expectation that the game is going to be cinematic which i think was one of the goals of the developers right because there is no music the game does not feel cinematic at all it just feels empty and soulless um that doesn't mean like the sound design in totality is bad because i think the voice acting is actually good it's 
Yeah. Yeah. Like really good uh, because, yeah, this was an era that voice acting was like not appreciated at all, especially in Western media. And here's a game made by a Western developer where the voice acting doesn't suck. Now, that might be more because of their, you know, micro PC background where you had the ability to put in voices much more liberally just because you had more space. So they they probably had a good idea what they want to do for voice direction. And there's not a lot of voice direction either. But overall, I mean, it's whatever the reason was it. The voice acting is good. I have no complaints on that front. Uh, I have one. (laughs) But other than that, uh, no, I I was actually surprised by how good the voice acting was generally. Um, I won't say the dialogue is always the best, but, you know, whatever. No, no, no. Fucking 1996 game. So I wasn't expecting a novel or anything, but. Lara is definitely the best one of the bunch. Um, so shout out to Shelly Blonde for that, by the way. She's the voice actress. She did a great job. But no, man, that fucking southern ass blonde guy from the beginning. Larson. Yeah, Larson. Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate his voice and everything about it. Like, it's just <laughs> I, I and it's not even like it's a, too close to home. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say, like, it's not even that he has a southern accent. It's that it's like a bad southern accent he says some shit that also doesn't make any sense but i feel like that's not the voice actor's fault that's just the script but uh, like what what the fuck was it he oh he was referring to the pierre guy that apparently got hired in to go find some other shit for this person and he says something about like lara not being able to catch up to him because he's got jack rabbit frog legs and i'm like what the fuck? Like, I had to sit there and deconstruct that phrase for a second. And I was like, OK, he's saying jackrabbit because that's like a southern ass thing to say. And also because he's trying to imply that he's fast, but also that they're frog legs because the guy is French. And that's sort of like not racist, but I don't know, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, OK, I guess that makes sense when you piece it all together. But also it sounds dumb as hell when he says it. You got some jackrabbit frog legs. Yeah. I was like, cool. Yeah, uh, thanks. I hate it. But other than that guy, um, yeah, no, I, I think the voice acting was actually pretty well done. I'll, yeah, I will say I'll agree with you. Like other than Natla and Lara, it's nothing really to write home about. But I got a few laughs out of it. They weren't really supposed to be serious, I think, anyway. So I can I can provide some leniency in that direction. Sure. In terms of weapons and stuff like that, weapons, they're fine. I don't have any issues with the gun sounds or anything like that. Animal noises are absolute shit. Oh, yeah. I thought. Yeah, they suck. Like sometimes they're okay, but like the gorillas, they don't sound like gorillas. They're not good. I mean, overall, the sound, it it just feels like it fell short. Uh, Again, this is the PC version. I don't know what it's like in the PlayStation version. Apparently, there is more sound and more music in those, albeit like not a ton of music. It's not playing the entire time. And like Shane said, I, too, appreciate uh, silence and uh ambiance in my games and atmospheric noises in order to get the you know point across but it you need music from time to time in order just to at least for me i need it there to make it feel like i'm actually doing something somewhat important and that wasn't here yeah (sighs) well i guess we are moving on to some fun facts Mm -hmm. so i'll i'll name a couple and you can you can Put the one you list on there, you filthy <laughs> pervert. We couldn't talk about this game and not bring that up. Uh, OK, so uh, the N64 was supposed to get a port of this game that was planned. 
and they contacted Nintendo Core Design, contacted Nintendo. Nintendo was like, yeah, we want Tomb Raider on the N64. And they're like, cool. That N64 port got canceled. The reason it got canceled was because Nintendo decided they were never going to send dev kits to Core Design. So classic Nintendo. Good old Nintendo. They probably want wanted them to buy it and then sign an NDA to not talk about it into magazines that they had it or something like that. <laughs> yep, that's probably what they do. Uh, the other one I wanted to bring up real quick. There's a character near the end of the game that's essentially a doppelganger of Lara, which it's like a mummy, fleshy thing of Lara. If you play the game, you don't find out why everything is like it the way it is until the very end. But That was supposed to be a reference to the shadow character from Prince of Persia because the game designers borrowed so much from the game. They thought they would put put an homage to the doppelganger in Prince of Persia as well. It could have been from Shadow Link, but I guess they decided Prince of Persia was more fitting when they're mentioning it, probably because they just made a blatant 3D Prince of Persia game. That's fair. That's all I got. So over to you. Well, speaking of like homages and stuff in... Lara's mansion you can also find the Ark of the Covenant from Indiana Jones like that's also there too so oh that's cool yeah okay so the one thing I put down as our like little miscellaneous facts for this is that you could not especially if you were into gaming around this time and you were aware of Tomb Raider and, and honestly it was kind of hard not to be you may have heard some things flying around the uh, the rumor mill that uh, there was a way to to see Lara in the nude in the game, which was scandalous because like, you know, it was 1996 and we totally wanted to see triangle titties, I guess. But there actually was a website called nude that ended up getting taken down with some legal action. Go figure. But it it did actually host a patch, like a a crack, basically, for the game where you you could, in fact, do that. There was never it wasn't like a hot coffee sort of scenario where there was like a code or something that you had to unlock or a config file tweak or something like people used to like to say. That wasn't the case. It was like a third party thing. It was a mod that somebody did and it was hosted for a while. And then, you know, IDOS and and company was like, uh, hey, maybe don't fucking do that. And so it got taken down. Evidently, that URL, that domain is still active. But now, you know, disappointingly, it just points to some like probably scammy porn stuff. So maybe don't go there. But that was the story behind that. That was that was a big hubbub back in the day, especially if you were a friggin teenage boy, because everyone was like, oh, my God, did you know you could see Lara naked and yeah, so I feel like we had to at least bring that up. Did, do you know if the hack at least lets you see have like areolas or were they just like all nude colored, like skin colored? I'm going to be honest. I actually don't know. I've never seen the results of that patch. I'm sure we could find it if, you know, if you really wanted to know. But I kind of feel like if somebody took the time to do that, I'm sure they probably threw some uh, extra details on there, let's say. I mean, I could understand why Ados didn't want naked images of Laura to get out there because they didn't want to give it away for free. They wanted you to pay for it on Playboy. True. That's yeah. why. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why. That's actually the reason. Yeah. And while we're talking, just, you know, just completely sexist stuff here. I will appreciate, Great. you know, I will find I will find like the best feature about Laura being a chauvinist that I am mm. in the moment here. 
Isn't isn't her breast because her breasts look like Monopoly houses if you put them together. <laughs> uh-huh. But I think she has really cute butt. I mean, her hips are, you know, it looks like she's been starving herself and just like put it tight, like put an electrical cord around it, just tied it real tight like that shouldn't happen. Like her waist is way too small, but she has a cute butt. Yeah, I will sure. say that. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm sure the those iconic booty shorts are definitely doing her some favors in that department. But yeah, it's it's also funny that you bring that up real quick, because that was sort of like a thing that. I don't think anybody's ever really agreed on as far as her dimensions are concerned, because they've done they've done the legwork on that and found out that shocking her hips and and her bust are about one hundred and fifty percent wider than her waist, which is completely unrealistic. Her measurements are something ridiculous, like thirty six, twenty four or some shit like that. But the story that the creator uh, seems to stick by is that he accidentally made her bust bigger than he wanted it to. And it just ended up staying that way. Of course, even the other developers on the team were like, that's total bullshit. They are British, aren't they? I think they're British. I think so. I have no idea where they I think they are. I mean, it would make total sense. This is something Brits Brits would do is just make very hypersexualized, comically sexualized characters. They've been doing it for years. I'm not terribly offended. I'm surprised we didn't talk about it more, to be honest with you. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm I'm glad we didn't talk about it more. I think that's been uh, beaten yeah. to death. Like, I don't don't think we need to cover that anymore. I'll tell you what's been beaten to death when talking about this game. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. <laughs> well, let me tell you about this stuff I found on LimeWire. Uh, oh, well, so let's wrap this up. Yeah, we'll end on that note. That's as good a place as any to, to wrap things up, I guess. The last thing that we like to to cover to kind of tie things off nicely with a little bow is uh, does the game still hold up today? So, Chris, what do you think about the Tomb Raider? I beat this game. I went all the way through. It took me about 20 hours to beat this game, maybe a little more. And while I was playing it, I politely asked Shane to kill me because (laughs) this game is is an absolute nightmare to play today. I know there are people out there who love this game, who played this game and spent hours and hours and hours and hours figuring out the intricacies, not having to worry about the controls, being an utter disaster because you didn't know any better back in 1996. And I can completely empathize with you and I can understand why you love this game because there are some very positive things about this. And there were times in this game I legitimately had fun. But most of the time, I wanted to take my laptop and I wanted to throw it against the wall or break the screen or cry. And I just have to realize in my heart of hearts that this game, this fucking game, it doesn't need to be played by anybody anymore. It just needs to be a footnote. It did amazing things for the industry in terms of uh, pushing 3D gaming forward, in terms of exploration, in terms of graphics. And sort of kind of pushing female protagonists in video games, depending on how you view it. Uh, uh, it was it was a it was a very small step. Let's just put it that way. It was a, a step. But no, 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 don't just don't trust me. Play the first level. The first level is fun. But don't don't play any more than that. Shane. OK. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say too much different, really. Uh, does it hold up today? Like, no, not 
not not at all i felt like any like cool moment in the game where i had like a split second of like oh shit okay this is this is all right was just constantly overshadowed by the the nagging feeling that i was like forcing myself to keep playing this game because as we mentioned earlier controlling lara never feels natural like you unless you're somebody who's gonna sink tens or even god forbid hundreds of hours into this game it's never going to feel like a second nature you're never going to just like intuitively know this is what i need to do here every step of the way you are always constantly having to stop and assess and be like okay what where do i need to stand precisely for me to make this jump and even if i figure that out i might not make this jump because sometimes that just doesn't do what you want it to do and so any anything like the dinosaur thing was a legitimately cool thing it doesn't make any goddamn sense but it was cool like that was a moment where i was like oh fuck that's a t-rex that's badass like and that was fun and then i went back to hating having to actually play through the rest of the level right so just go play the anniversary edition man like you'll you'll thank us for it later really like if you want to experience like the origins of lara such as it is if we're not talking about the complete reboot anniversary edition is the place to do it because it's a reimagining of this game with modern controls modern game design sensibilities and modern graphics and you're gonna have a better time and it sucks because like yes this game is huge it was huge it was a big deal for the game industry and i know we're shitting a lot on it but just coming back to it now it's a big ask to try to go back to this when we've had so many improvements on this kind of formula so yeah or just skip the anniversary edition and go to the reboot i think the the reboots are especially if i know again retro gaming podcast you listen for retro games but if you've been playing modern games in the action action adventure genre, it's it's probably even hard to go back to the anniversary edition in, in many ways, just because of the way this way, the way this game was designed. Right. So yeah. Yeah, go for the reboot. I would just recommend just going straight to the reboot. Well, hey, you know, you say we're a retro game podcast, but in about two years from the, the date of this recording, uh, the Tomb Raider reboot will qualify for this show. It's fascinating. That's <laughs> I don't know if that's fascinating or sad. Oh, my God. Oh, and you're right. That feels like yesterday. Yeah, that feels like yesterday. Mm -hmm. What the hell happened? Yep. Time, man. Oh, I almost wish it was 2013 again, too. <laughs> ah, man. Well, there you have it. There, There is our holistic assessment of the OG Tomb Raider. So happy anniversary. We kind of shit on you for an hour and a half. But you were important, Listen, so we did yes. this episode for you. Very important game. That's right. It was important for its time, and I feel like we've recognized that. But at any rate, if, if you are listening to this, then that means you have found us. So hi, hello, we're glad that you're here. If you would like to engage with us and our uh, fantastic little community of listeners in a few other ways, you can certainly do that, and we make it easy for you. Uh, all you need to do is head over to linktree slash retro hangover. That's L-I-N ktr.ee slash retro hangover and you can find our public discord uh, our social medias our youtube and twitch channels patreon if you would like to support the show in that fashion as well as our merch store so lots of fun stuff and speaking of the twitch 
Chris, would you like to tell the people about what we do on the internet? Yes, on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern time, if you head to twitch.tv slash retro hangover that you could probably find in our link tree, you will find us streaming things. Uh, you'll find us playing games. In fact, as you are listening to this, I still haven't would have not streamed in like three months, but I will be streaming probably the week after that. So you can check that out and I'll give Shane a break. I'm sure he's looking forward to it. Right. But yeah, head over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover where we're going to play some games, hang out with the fun community that shows up. We always have a good conversation. Sometimes a little go it goes off the rails a little bit. But uh, if you know anything about our discord, <laughs> that's to be expected. And we love it. Love you all for that. Thank you. Uh, also. A reminder that the King of Games 2000 in collaboration with the Region Free Gamers podcast is still going on exclusively for the moment to our patrons. It will be going out to everybody in the around January 13th or so or January 20th, somewhere around that time frame. But until then, it will be patron exclusive. So you want in the action early. Get on it now so you can talk about everything that's going on before like March or so. So hop on over. We would really appreciate it. There you go. All right. Well, I suppose with all of that being said, until next time, play with your motorboating son of a bitch joysticks. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee, and Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space, or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four-ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in headfirst with full 12-ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash rhpbones. That's bit.ly slash rhpbones.